As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, welcome to the latest edition to hear that podcast. Grounds presented by Visa Network, working for everyone. Paulina Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic here working for you. How are we doing, Jay? Doing great. Still scratching my head every time I write AFC Championship game in a story. Yeah. Um, it just, it just <laughs> is, it's, it's different to be working this late into, or working this hard this wait late into January, but it is, it is fun. You know how much this fan base is on board with this team and it's it's just it's it's really fun to watch what's going on outside of our little bubble it is it is fun it is fun to watch uh everything that's happening and 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 we are gonna just we are gonna keep trucking we're just gonna keep trucking Mm. uh you know we've used the word the phrase i should say over the last couple years unprecedented times a lot (laughs) yeah Uh, we are, we are in unprecedented times for, uh, for this beat. That is for sure. As, as we, uh, head to Kansas city where it is not unprecedented at all. Uh, the fourth straight home AFC title game for the chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. We will talk specifically with Nate Taylor on Thursday, um, about everything that has happened since the Chiefs and the Bengals last played in Week 17. Some of the fallout from that, thoughts from their side on the rematch, health, everything going on uh, with Kansas City. Uh, so we'll have that, and we're going to be very obviously game-centric on that Thursday episode. So a lot to get there as we really dive in to the X's and O's of this game, this rematch of the Week 17 game that the Bengals won 34-31. to So so keep, it, keep an eye out for that going forward on this one. Uh, we're... You know, we're going to talk a little bit about we're we're going to dive back into a, a a conversation point that we have had all season long. So if you've been listening to this podcast all year, you've heard pockets of this. You've you've you you know this, but it's been rebroached lately in a different way and in a different manner. In the way I think that the there's like that scene in Spaceballs where they hit ludicrous speed 
right? Like all of a sudden they hit the button and 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 uh, it takes off into space. I, like the idea of the chemistry being a special element of this team has hit ludicrous speed over the last month. And there were some really interesting people acknowledge that Lou Anarumo, Brian Callahan, CJ Uzama talked about it in interesting ways. And I, I want to kind of delve into that a little bit more. So we're going to do that. Um, I'm going to talk to Mo Egger uh, about uh, uh, his tweets, one about the how to handle KC. And then we're going to talk about just this team, I think, <laughs> as one of the most beloved in Bengals history. The I would say I, I would say the, but we're gonna get his thoughts on that and and, and talk about just the the sur- surreality um, of the point that we've reached in this season. Great conversation with Mo as always. Now we bring in uh, Mike Sando, our national NFL columnist, who does incredible work. Sando's pick six every week is awesome. He has some great Bengals nuggets in there and great perspective on the big picture, what the Bengals are doing, the look at the Chiefs. So many things to talk to Mike about. First time, first time on the show for Mike. So excited to have him come join us. Um a lot to get to in that respect. So let's um there's not a ton of news to start with, as we typically do. Um, you know, health-wise, Jay, I mean, the Bengals came fairly clean out of uh, the game against Tennessee. Yeah, Cam Sample had a, a hamstring. Um, Zach said he'll kind of be evaluated this week. He's he's kind of that guy, that three technique um, that to to rush inside with with Ogan Joby out, and they they tried. Uh, Josh Tupo tried to go as long as he could in that game. Um, he, he had the knee injury that it, he had been out a couple of weeks with and he couldn't. And Zach Kerr, who they signed on Wednesday, came in and played 23 percent of the snaps. Uh, Jesse Bates t- joked about how they were calling him to check because he played Monday night playoff game against the Rams. And then he comes in and plays for the plays for the Bengals against the Titans. So he got he got two check paychecks this week. That's always a good thing. Um, and then we'll see where Stanley Morgan is. He I, it, he was questionable uh, to go um, against the Titans and and he was not able to with that hamstring. And Trey Flowers plays his gunner role and just has this has the unfortunate penalty early, but just has this incredible game after that. Two two stops on a punt return for zero yards. That the Bengals. I, I I wrote a story today about all the unsung guys making these big impacts, and the entire regular season the Bengals had. Six times they stopped a punt returner for for zero or negative yards. Uh, Trey Flowers has done it three times in two playoff games. And the last one was that last drive where any extra yardage that that Chester Rogers could have gotten would have set the Titans up better to try to move down and get the game-winning score. And and Trey Flowers just blows down there and takes him down as soon as he catches the ball. Um, So it it would be good to get Stanley back because he he just adds – more on special teams, a better blocker on the edge and on offense, but you don't feel as bad about that if he can't go with with the way Trey Flowers is playing. A great story you have up now, Jay, on on all the un, unsung heroes and unheralded guys on the team. There's been a ton of them, and and I would say in that same respect, unsung hero would be uh, Bengals pro personnel director Stephen Radicevich. Uh, obviously Duke Tobin and the ability that they have had all year to find these guys that can come in and play a role during the course of the season and that, and that have, and it's not just, I mean, everybody plucks 
players off waiver wires. Everybody try, you know, is making moves or you know, trade making a trade. BJ Hill, whatever. Maybe teams are always trying to do that. Um, but the amount of success the Bengals had with that this year has been an absolute game changer. And a lot of those are guys that you mentioned in that story, Jay, a good one to read. I have a story up on, I mentioned it yesterday. We have our live room, which is up that we did yesterday, taking questions, great stuff from everyone. Thank you for so many people that have come out for those. They have become wildly popular and I'm so glad you guys like them. We love doing them. Um, it's been great doing them. We'll do them again next week after uh, the game against Kansas City. Um, as, as much as we can try to work it around whatever's going on with travel and everything else, we'll do our best. We talked there about you know protection and, and how I was working on this, this story on, on everything that the Bengals have been doing uh, up front to what do they do, I guess, is really the real question. How do you go from here? We know what happened against Tennessee and, and why they were a particularly bad matchup, but I, there are some interesting things that kind of came out of that, and I have that story up now on what the Bengals can do, what they might do, and, and all the ins and outs of the protection of Joe Burrow situation. Here's a fun one that I came across, Jay, as I was kind of finishing up some last bits of research and, and, and talking to people yesterday. What if I told you during this hot streak for Burrow, six games now or whatever, that was the highest percentage of clean pockets he's had in any game in that six-game stretch? <laughs> By by a de- by by a decent amount, sixty-eight percent of his pockets were clean via PFF, and that, that is the most me. he's had during this stretch. Yeah, that stuns me. I mean, you right. just see how bad it was, um, and it 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 goes to what they were talking about that that some of it was communication issues and and missed assignments, and and some of it was Joe holding the ball too long i i don't know how they define uh, uh, is a clean pocket defined by it has to hold up for a certain amount of time or how how, how does that metric he was play kept in? clean he was kept clean not pressured no pressure yeah. no not flushed not you know whatever you know however you want to look at the, the difference being he couldn't get out of it hmm. you know he couldn't get out of it now he he sees pressure all the time as we know, <laughs> we've watched this team all year. He's constantly under pressure. The difference between Tennessee and everybody else was Tennessee was a master of containing and collapsing the pocket. What Burrow discovered and was as the game went on was not only was he being confused by how much disguising and how good Mike Vrabel was at disguising those defensive coverages, but how good the line was at collapsing the pocket, not rushing. They just kept bringing the walls caved in. They didn't have one guy zooming by, another guy zooming by. The walls caved in, and that's Jeffrey Simmons. That is, mm. the, that is the style, the massive human that is Jeffrey Simmons. And he's, he's a rare guy for that respect because not a lot of the great defensive tackles play that way where they just put the guy in front of him on skates right back into the pocket every single time. That's how Simmons does. Chris Jones, who is great in his own respect, is different. Gino in his prime, right? Different. Where it would be one move and all of a sudden he's coming free and but burrow can handle 
free guys. And uh, as long as there's a little bit, as long as there's a lane, as long as there's some space, Tennessee never allowed that. And, and, and that is such a big difference. And that's why clean pocket percentage, which is great, um, but actually when under pressure in a lot of these games, Burrow has crushed it. I mean, he has been he has put up massive numbers under pressure uh, over the course of this streak. He did the exact opposite of that against Tennessee because they would not let him out. Kansas City yep. had tons of pressure, but Burrow put up big numbers against that pressure the first game. So you wonder how much of that we will see again, or will Kansas City try to work more of a contained pass rush? Uh, another one of the adjustments you'll be paying attention to on Sunday. Yeah, I wrote that story after the Kansas City game about kind of breaking down all 51 sacks, and that was the thing that Brian Callahan talked about is not that not that Joe Burrow can just handle pressure, free runners. He invites it. As long as he knows where it's coming from, he says, yeah, bring it on, because he views himself as an extra blocker because he can shake that one guy, buy a little extra time, slide, and then find something either through the progressions or if he has to hold it a little longer, slide a little further through an off script type of situation. So it is the other thing in there is they talked about him being playing football, like a linebacker, having that defensive mentality. And he kind of embraces not, not getting hit nine times in a game, but being under pressure, being under duress and, and taking a shot here or there and then fighting back and, and, given his own shot, a deep shot or a, a shot over the middle and, and making a play. Um, but that still, that, that still stuns me that, that that was the highest percentage of clean pockets. You know, Brian, Brian kind of said like, look, I mean, we know what the off season is going to look like for this team. And we know that they are going to have, they're going to fix this line. This line is not great, but that's not the conversation right now. The conversation is they're two games away from winning it all. Yeah. How does this group win two more games? Right. And I'll, I'll read you the, uh, the quote that I have as, as at the lead of the story at this point in the year, it's survive in advance. The kid gloves are off. We are going to do whatever it takes to win. If it means Joe takes some hits, he's fine with that. He would much rather us put the ball in his hands and go play than try to protect him. He doesn't need that anymore. He doesn't want it. It's a little bit the cost of doing business sometimes that these hits are going to have to come. Burrow wants that. He, he, there will come a, a time in his career he won't want that, but right now he does. Right now, he 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 understands that, you know, going empty provides opportunities for massive plays, leaving everyone out in the route. Maybe minimum, maybe some of the protection isn't as you're not putting in mass protection. You're not telling him to throw the ball. He's not throwing the ball away as much. He's he knows how many big plays come of that, and and so. You know, calling something safely, calling things conservatively right now, it's just not going to get them anywhere. You know, it, it's it's not. The more opportunities for Burrow to make plays that sometimes will end in sacks um, is what can win two more games for this team. And everyone in the building, and especially number nine himself, are comfortable and have come to terms with that. It's been a long season. No one wants it to look like this anymore. 
Uh, I do not think you will have a line next year that looks like this one anymore. But for now, this con- the way this line is currently constituted, it's not all on the line. So much of it is the way that they are choosing to play offense right now because it's their best chance to win is the reason a lot of these hits are happening. I mean, that's just part of it. I mean, that's that's how they can win. They've That's what's gotten them to this point where they're playing to go to the Super Bowl with this line. And I think um, that's a part of the protection philosophy going forward. You know, they've, they've been good and empty. They've, they've been good with a bunch of receivers out in the route. They've been explosive that way. Burrow has been able to flush out away from pressure every week, really, except for this past one where Tennessee had, had kind of the guys to ruin that. So, uh, you know, to expect that all of a sudden you're going to see the Bengals in some sort of max protect and doing everything they can. No, that is not happening. They're just going to deal with what it is and try to win anyway, because guess what? They have been. It's, it goes to your point on, on, I think it was Monday's live room when you said it, where they've, they've been in empty 17 snaps yeah. in the postseason and they've given up one sack. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's the way you go instead of max protecting, instead of bringing help chippers, whatever it is, Go the other way. Spread out. Let Joe Burrow run that offense that he ran at LSU so much where it was just you got five guys out. He's going to find one of them and and let him make plays. And, yep, let him let him take a hit or two here or there. The, the good news is, you know, these last two games are on grass. The The injury chances are, are a little bit less when, when you're playing as far as getting a foot stuck and that getting a soft tissue injury. Go out there and play football. Be be the tough guy that he is. He's he's. We saw it. I wrote about it. He he bounced back from all of those sacks, and and led scoring drives and completed his next pass. Let him be that guy. Yep. Um. And no, you know the the conversation piece. I think that you heard was how do you not see an Andrew Luck thing happening here? You know all the hits he's taken. So young. And, and what that can do. And I don't think anybody wants this to become an Andrew Luck, obviously wants it to become an Andrew Luck situation, but I, I, I don't think there is an idea that it will get to that. You know, I think the thought is that this will be something that event, is the next step of the building of this team. The one thing that's left is to, is to totally go all in on making this a great line and understanding that that's probably the difference between this team winning a championship and not, or maybe they still overcome it, but that that's the obvious flaw in this club right now. And so that will change, but you know, the, the way, the way to win, to take advantage of the current opportunity is not to tuck up and be nervous about sacks and burrow is certainly not doing that. He is doing the exact opposite. He, he wants it. Bruce Feldman has a piece up right now uh, about the legend of Burrow at LSU, and it was it was a lot of old stuff that we read. Brody Miller had done a piece when when uh, our LSU guy when when Burrow was doing his thing down there as well, and it it references a game where Ed O came to Burrow and said, "We're really going to use your legs this game. You know, you're going to run it like 20, 30 times," and 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 he loved it. Yes, let's go. I want to win the game. It sounds awesome, right? And and he loved it, and and. You know, you're just you're just not going to see Burrow shy away from contact. You know, Callahan sort of said with us yesterday, it's 
it's part what's unique about about him. It's what mm. makes him special. Is he 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 wants it, like you said. He he invites it. So um, that that's when we're talking about the big conversation point this week about protection. Um, keep all of that in mind. Like it's it's about the ways to win these two games. At some point, these guys got to hold up. But all I know is, uh, week seventeen, this same line did enough. For Burrow to go 30 of 39 for 446 and a 148 passer rating with four touchdowns and no interceptions. But it was good enough then. <laughs> I think you're good on that. You know, um, so so there, there's that. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's flip to another topic here before we get to Mo um, and and talk a little bit about this team and, and and this locker room situation. It's funny, Jay. I go back to every year we would go to the Super Bowl and, and I'd cover whatever was going on there, whoever was playing Patriots versus who, right? It was for forever. But, you know, and, and you go to these media days and every player and every coach – is is available. They're all either at a podium or just standing around waiting to be talked to. And they would do that every day for an hour, every day during Super Bowl week. And and all the throngs of media are there. So you hear a lot, you've heard a lot of teams that are in the Super Bowl and what they sound like and the things they say. And it always struck me how much you heard some version of everything we're hearing now. <laughs> because and it's not because it's I think there's a part of it that this happens naturally when you go on a run. Winning solves and cures everything, absolutely. I also think there's a chicken in the egg element that the teams that really do create and find this special chemistry are the teams that that are capable of putting special runs together. You know, and 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 the way you hear this team talk about how chemistry and love of showing up every day and has made a difference on the field in this playoff run and during the course of the season is is wild. And it's not new. You've been listening to this podcast. You've heard us talk about this at different elements all year. It's been helping win them games all year, not just when they really started winning lately. And I think the way that some of the coaches and players have been talking about it has been notable. I want to bring those in now, and we'll discuss it more. Here's Brian Callahan first, Lou Anarumo, defensive coordinator, and then C.J. Uzama, all 
kind of giving a different perspective on this, what has happened inside of this locker room and with this particular group. I've been a part of really good locker rooms. I don't think one has that I've been a part of has the same energy that this one does. Um, part of that is probably our youth, you know, guys that we have a lot of young players, particularly on offense. Um, and I think they just enjoy playing football together. And when you get to these games and you get in these big spots, you know, everybody's good and everybody has talent. And so I, I really do believe the connectedness of your team, the energy of your team, guys that like playing together, that like coming to work every day, uh, that like practicing together. I think that may, make that gives you an advantage, however small, um, but it's an advantage uh, when you're playing against really good teams because these guys believe in each other and they play for each other. And um, it's special. It's unique. It's not every locker room is like that. Um, but the way our guys play and, and the, the energy that they play with um, definitely gives us an advantage. And, and it's helped us win some of these games. We've won some tight games because um, our guys don't really panic and they just go out and play football together and they enjoy the process together. So um, I do think it's an important part and it's, it's probably the best locker room, um, you know, from top to bottom I've been around. Lou, you talked about, you know, guys being so close and that, and that we've heard that over and over again and how much they're enjoying this run, the clear communication. Why do you think that has taken so well with this group compared to maybe other teams or years you've been on where it doesn't as much? And maybe where did that really start to to grow with this with this team? I, mean, I, I think I've said this to this group um, right from the beginning. And if I haven't, correct me where I'm wrong is I had a good feeling the first meeting we had in OTAs. Uh, I just saw how these guys went out, worked, asked questions in the meetings, communicated on the field. I had a good feeling right from the beginning. So it started all the way back in April, in my opinion, um, and uh, it hasn't stopped and it's only grown. Um, you know, uh, you can hear them problem solving on the field and practice. If they have a question, they're not afraid to ask, which is great. Sometimes guys don't want to ask questions because they don't want to uh, appear to be wrong. Um, but these guys don't have that in them. They're, they're going to come up to me right away and their coaches and, you know, coaches, is this how you want this? Uh, do you see it this way? Why not that way? Um, and then, you know, there was the, the, it's so all of that player to player communication, coach to player, uh, has been great. Um, and again, I think it started all the way back when we first got together back in April. It's, it's been, uh, it's been great talking to some of the, some of the guys that are a little older too. Like I was talking to Xavier, I was talking to Mike Daniels, I was talking to, you know, Rico. Um, and they, they are just, you know, like just, we, we're talking about how, how we're here right now, right? Like everyone has talent, everyone's playing I mean, everyone's playing their ass off. Everyone wants to be in this position, right? But it, it to us and talking to them, they're like, I have not been a part of a locker room that's this close-knit since I can remember. Since, like, Little League when you're, like, with the same team for 10 years until you're going into high school. And, and it's amazing. And obviously, you know, you got to get the right pieces for that, right? You got to go out and, and find guys. Obviously, like I just said, everyone has talent. But you have to find guys that are, are men of character that will – fit the mold of what a Bengal is. And, you know, we got a few rules, we got a few things, we got a few sayings around here, but a Bengal is a physical, hungry, accountable teammate that's willing to do their all for the betterment of the team. And that's what we have. We have each individual person that is, you know, wanting to do whatever it takes to get the job done. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what their role is on the team. It doesn't matter if you have to block every play, if you have to be the best special team. It does not matter what it is. We got to kick game-winning field goals. You know, it, it's 
everyone wants to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves right now. And it's, it's truly, it's amazing. And it, and it starts top down. <laughs> Jay, this stuff is not uh, new, no. um, but this is kind of the, the, <laughs> the way it's just being put now by people who have been around. This is the best they've ever seen. Uh, I think tells you a lot about the culture that's been created here. Yeah. I, I, I think there's, one of the things in play here is you don't have so many times you see you have the the older veterans and and then the younger kids and they they say all the time it's my job to get that guy better and my guy to men, my job to mentor him and that that is and and I don't think that's BS but it still creates an element of tension where where you're kind of training your replacement and it feels like the roles on this team are more defined and you don't have those underlying currents. And, and and another thing, I keep thinking back to every time a, a guy is going through a contract situation and someone else gets asked about it, they say, you know, football's a business. I'm not going to get in another man's business. Every step along the way this year, it's been pay the man. Anytime anybody's asked about Jesse Bates, that entire team is in his corner and not afraid to talk about it and, and stepping up and saying, pay the guy. And it's just... You look at what they went and got in free agency and, and these these guys that were on other teams that advanced in the playoffs. So they they know what it feels like and, and, and they can they can teach these these younger guys who, by the way, a lot of them have had great success in college, too. So they kind of have a feel for it. It's it's just what, what Brian kind of talked about, where it's it's a young team and the energy is just different and. You do see this all the time with teams that make a run where it's it's all about chemistry and it's a great locker room. But even though this isn't new, it, it does have a little bit of a, a different feel for all of those reasons. You ever been in a job where like there's like two guys or girls or whoever that have they've been there for like forever and they just are, they've seen it all and they're just like, man, screw this place. Like, you know, they, when, when you're at it, when you're there and you just, you're, it's new and you're in your first couple of years, you're a go-getter and you think you can change it. And you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm not beaten down by the manager at Arby's, right, Jay, to speak your language, you know, where you would work. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure the people that there was a time where people enjoyed giving out the Mr. Tickle treats, right? <laughs> With with their yes. roast beef and cheddars, and thought that was cool. But somewhere at that job you worked at Arby's, there was a manager who was like, "Man, can you believe we give away these Mister Tickles? This is ridiculous. I'm gonna dip it in the Velveeta." You know, and it, you, at a certain point, when you have a bunch of veterans, especially those that have been around, there's just a you get worn down by it, and especially mm. a place like this. With no indoor and with all of the talk of the amenity. And, and it's not, you're not treated like royalty all the time, which we talked about in the live room yesterday. You know, I, that grates and does wear on people. The newness and the youngness of, we didn't even complain about the fact we don't have any indoor, right? Is, <laughs> is, is a part, is a part of this because it, it, you know, people aren't worn down by that. And just veterans in this league in general have seen it. They've seen their friends cut. They've seen their friends traded. They've seen everything this league does. And this league is just, it's its a tough one to go through, man. It's a tough business to be in. It's a weird business. And when you've seen it all, you become very jaded. 
and I'm going to tangent here a little bit, but I remember Marvin Lewis talking about Joe Mixon's youthful energy his rookie year and said, Joe Mixon said, Marvin told me, or maybe Marvin told us that he said to Mixon, don't, don't, don't lose this. Don't become jaded. And I asked Marvin, like, it, it, do you feel like that's a problem that that does happen to a lot of guys? And he was like, I think it's a big problem. I think guys do be, they see all this stuff and they do get worn down by the business of the NFL and it steals that love of the game. I think this team has love of the game. They, they, they love it and they're not jaded or worn down by any of it. And I think that shows in the way they treat each other, the way they operate every day and the way that they play on Sundays. You, we've heard the coaches say that for a couple of years now. Those are the guys they want to draft. Those are the guys they want to sign in free agency. The guys that, yeah, you want good players, but you want guys that love football, that love playing, that love the process of game planning and practicing and everything else that comes with it. And I, I it, it's this is a product of that. They, they have specifically targeted intelligent guys, guys that have had success in the past and guys that love football and who knows, you know, two, three years from now, winning becomes old hat, money becomes an issue. Maybe they do get jaded, but right now it's gold. Everybody's on the same page. Everybody has the same energy and, and they're riding the wave of it. They sure are. And this wave has taken over the city in every way imaginable. And, uh, taking over the NFL in a lot of ways. I mean, they're the story of the playoffs at this point. They're the underdog, right? Which they don't want to be called, but they're <laughs> they're swimming in that narrative this week. You may not like it. Uh but, you know, which is the perfect thing for Burrow. The only thing that's missing is Wink Martindale calling him an underdog at this point. Um <laughs> to to be motivating everybody that's going to be counting them out and picking against them this week is just going to go on every bulletin board right in number nine's locker i bet uh to try to keep, keep him going not that he needs any more but let's bring in mo and uh and kind of dive into the, that topic a little bit let's let's bring in our good friend from espn 1530 mo wager there's so many things to tweet about at this point uh <laughs> i don't even know where to start i don't even know where to start mo um, I think that's, that's where a lot of us have been. Right. I mean, that's, yeah, this is weird that, I mean, it, it's this whole thing personally and professionally is beyond surreal. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it, I really, I haven't even completely wrapped my brain around it. And, and the fact that there's a possibility that within the next week, we're talking about the Cincinnati Bengals playing in a Super Bowl, uh, is just a little bit too much for me to try to wrap my head around. It really is. I, yeah. I think we've. I think I've reached that point. You know, because we're we get in the weeds here as we go through the season, and every week, it still tries to feel the same. You're still in the same routine. The only difference that you notice is that everybody else is talking about what you're writing about for the first time in forever, <laughs> and, and, and and it's like, oh, so everybody is thinking the same thing that that we've been talking about. But it's 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 absolutely wild because you're trying to keep a regular routine but there's just nothing normal or regular about this but here here we are jay you got some tweet stats i do i i it feels like every week when i drop this number mo seems surprised by it so i thought maybe this this week i would ask him to wage a guess and, and we'll see how close he comes uh how many tweets yes 
Okay, so this would be, are we going Tuesday to Tuesday, Monday to Monday, uh, Sunday from, to Sunday? Yeah, from the end of last Tuesday's show until the start of this one. Uh, I will say, I don't think I really went on any sort of like Twitter rant. I'll say 73. You underestimate yourself. You had a oh. really strong week, 104. Oh. Oh, wow, I I, I don't I don't know that I would call a, a week in which I tweeted 104 times necessarily <laughs> strong, but uh, I guess so. One of your tweets that I'll start with here, I think, is very is is a relevant point of discussion based on what we saw Sunday night and what we saw in Week 17 and what we might see Sunday, and that is something that was the first thought that I had after watching the game. Uh, Mm -hmm. on Sunday night, and that was the way Zach Taylor handled the final moments of the KC win a few weeks ago makes a little more sense now, no? (laughs) Just have to play this team differently, don't you? I mean, is there more validation to the decision that Zach Taylor made in that game, the fourth fourth down, the two fourth downs going for it, than what you saw? That's how quick it happens and everything just disappears. Yeah, and I think what I appreciated most about it, looking back, was Zach's transparency after the game. He mentioned they have Patrick Mahomes, and I had no... I was was rooting... I I don't want to say I was rooting for Kansas City, but the Bengals played the Chiefs before give me Joe Burrow and Jamar chase against that defense again. And, you know, as silly as it might sound, if, if, if you want the throne, knock the King off of it. And so there was a part of me rooting for Kansas city, but I, I mean, as, as they're kicking off the ball, Buffalo with 13 seconds to go and it's sailing into the end zone, much like Tony Romo and the CBS telecast, I'm going, what do you realize who's on the other team? What are you doing? What are you doing? knock one second off the clock. Every second that you give Patrick Mahomes is uh, a second that he could do something that no other human being alive can do. So what I did the exact same thing on Sunday night. I thought back to that game against uh, Kansas city here where the Cincinnati Bengals went to extreme lengths to make sure that Patrick Mahomes could not beat them. Now they, they ultimately needed a score and there was the weirdness of all the penalties and the play calling was suspect. But at the end of the day, they were doing everything they could to minimize the impact of Patrick Mahomes because that dude is unbelievable. Um, the Buffalo Bills gave him 13 seconds, and it, it felt like they've opened the door to a guy uh, being able to do something that is absolutely superhuman. There is not another quarterback alive that I would have said, yeah, 13 seconds, he's going to tie the game. Patrick Mahomes in that moment, I felt like he's at least going to give his kicker a chance to tie the game. If you were still scratching your head in the aftermath of, that week 17 game at Paul Brown stadium. I would like to think that you walked away from Sunday night and said, now I get it. Now I get why Zach was doing everything he could in his power to make sure that Patrick Mahomes couldn't beat me at the end. And um, I, I, it was interesting to me how many people that I saw respond that were like, yeah, now it makes sense. (laughs) Yes. You watch that dude on Sunday night. Yes. It makes sense. All right. Let's just take a quick break. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. 
Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There is what the Grim Reaper, right? There's no situation yeah. <laughs> so grim uh, that he can't come in there and, and and make a play. And you have to. It's such an important thought this week, was because you know the expectation being this game will be close. You hope this game will be close if you're the Bengals and you're in a very similar situation as you were the first one. And you that has to be front and center in everything you do. And I think it was for Buffalo. I mean, 13 seconds feels like, but that's just how much it has to be front and center in everything that you do at the end of the game. You, you, this, this is not like old football where you just score because you got to score. You, that's how complicated it is playing against this team. You have to take that into consideration that what you leave is essentially points are sitting there on the board and you need to erase as much of them as possible. The thing is that in that game, Sunday night, Mahomes was doing whatever he wanted. And so that made sense. If you think back to the Kansas City game, that the, the, here, that the Bengals had held Mahomes mm-hmm. in, to, in check in the, in the second half, three points that whole entire second half. And Zach still had that in his mind. It, it's, it, you know, it was almost, uh, eventually he's going to break through type of thing. And it, it is with, with Mahomes, you just always have to have that in the back of your mind. And I think that works in Zach's favor a little bit because he has been so cognizant at the end of the first half when they drive down. They they are not just looking, let's just go score, let's just go score. They're they are trying to take as much time off the clock to to make sure the team doesn't get a chance in those final two minutes. And a lot of times it's them trying to get a score at the end of the half and a score at the beginning of the, the second half. So I, I think that's always been in Zach's mind on these end of half drives is the clock and managing it and leaving as much on there and not what Paul talked about old school football where you just score whenever, however you can. Yeah. New school football to me is smarter football. And and I know there's going to be a lot of people who disagree with that, but, but old school football to me says, I don't care who the other quarterback is. I trust my defense. We're going to stop and we're going to score. We're going to do our thing. Uh, uh-uh, man. Um, Patrick Mahomes is unbelievable. And so, I think it's completely fair to show some deference to the guy and say, look, it, it, from a from an intellectual standpoint, it doesn't make sense. From a mathematical standpoint, it doesn't make sense for us to put the ball in the hands of a guy who is capable of doing things that nobody else in the league is capable of doing. And one might say that shows a lack of confidence in your defense. It doesn't to me. It 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 pays proper respect to somebody 
who on Sunday night showed you what he can do if you leave him a tiny opening. And it helped that he had timeouts at his disposal. But that, but that was that was part of it, right? I mean, I, I just I, I couldn't believe they kicked the ball into the end zone. I couldn't believe. And and look, maybe maybe they're running out. There's nine seconds left, and the Chiefs still do something with it. But I mean, you had a chance to essentially kill about a third of what was re- what was remaining on the clock, if not even a little bit more. And you didn't do it. You you willingly chose to give Patrick Mahomes, armed with timeouts, an opening. You can't do that. I don't care how you feel about your defense. I don't care how you feel about your team. I don't care how Patrick Mahomes has played to that point. You can't give him an opening. In that game at PBS, they did everything they could to not give him an opening. Now, you know, again, they they could have not scored. Game goes to overtime. Who knows what happens? But they did everything they could to eliminate Patrick Mahomes as a factor, and I think that is the right way to coach. There's one other, there's one other thing I want to I want to kind of jump into here without referencing necessarily a tweet, if that's okay. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, there's a thing that what's happened now here over the last few weeks, and Mo, you and I, I think since I've known you, have talked often about how your favorite team and one that I I thought was a truly special moment in the franchise was the 2005 Bengals and, and and what they did for what they did to the city and restoring the cool factor and so much. I, I would make an argument, and maybe this is a conversation better for the podcast after whenever this season ends, whether it be next Tuesday or in three Tuesdays. Um, but I think this might be the most beloved team in Bengals history. You know, it, mm-hmm. you go back to the Super Bowl years and that's great, but, but they were lit like really living in success at that mm-hmm. point in the 80s. I mean, they were they were great. They were the toast of the town. When you take the history, everything into a play, into account, you take what feels like the beginning of a of a special era with Joe Burrow. You take 31 years, you take this last decade. You you take everything into account. You take what we witness on a daily basis walking around this city, talking to people in the city, watching news in this city, hosting a sports talk in this city right now. Mm-hmm. I, I've never in all my time around here seen anything like it. Yeah, I would agree. And and I, I can't speak for everybody else. If this ends on Sunday and they don't beat Kansas City and then subsequently go and win a championship, which I feel like they will at some point, I don't know that I will love whichever team wins a championship more than I like this one. I don't know that I'll love a season as much as I love this one because – they're in the AFC championship game, dude. I mean, like, but before the, the way, the way we were talking about this team during the summertime was, well, all right. Uh, you know, maybe they can get to seven or eight wins and maybe they can play meaningful football in December, maybe even in January. And uh, you never know if all goes right, they can sneak into the playoffs and boy, wouldn't that be great. And then, you know, it sort of sets the stage for 2022, what they've been able to do the way that I think quite organically this relationship has formed between a starving fan base and this particular group of players, the way that Joe Burrow has lived up to and and to a very large degree exceeded the hype. How often does that really happen? You know, I mean, how, how, how often does something exceed the hype? Joe has done that Um, as, as special as that 05 team was, I, I I don't know that there was the connection to the team itself um, that you're experiencing now. And also, 
you know, from 90 to 05, they had just been irrelevant. And so it, 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 there were moments of despair, but if you go from 05 to this year, the accumulation of moments where you thought this is it, whether it's, this is where they compete for a title, or this is where they win a playoff game. You don't have that in 05. You just had, boy, they sucked for 15 years and now they matter. And it's kind of cool to matter. They've usually mattered since 2005. They've been a national entity, but they've pulled the rug out from underneath you. They've, 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 uh, they've broken your heart so many times for this team to not do that and then take it a step beyond by winning on the road in the sort of game that a lot of us wondered, can they win and be within a game of the Super Bowl? I don't, I don't think there's ever been a more beloved team. And, and I, again, for me personally, if this ends on Sunday and they win a title next year, I'm not sure that I'm not going to look back on this season with a shade more fondness. Um, I'll show you something got yesterday that just makes this seem all surreal. I got an email from a guy in Philadelphia who asked me if plants have been made for a parade. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> right, right. And I, I had I mean, this. I, I had the same moment, Mo. I was literally, you know, we're we're planning out, like talking with my wife about like. Uh, a vacation we had planned for mid-February and adjustments we potentially would have to make. And I was like, and at one point I said the line, well, I guess, I guess it would probably depend on the day of the parade. And I stopped and I fell over laughing. Like, listen <laughs> yeah. to this conversation. Yeah. We're talking about the day of the parade. I got a, an email from this guy in Philadelphia. He's like, hey, do you know if, basically, do you know when the parade would happen? And I'm like, what? <laughs> Opening day parade? <laughs> like, Huh? Oh yeah, I guess we would have one of those. Oh, and then I and then I I'm like, well, I I'm sure somebody has thought about it. I, and then you know you can make fun of the people who run the city because I've always said Cincinnati City Council can screw up a one car parade. Now we'll get a chance to see if that's actually true. Right. But uh, <laughs> the fact that that's where we are is it's it's surreal. I mean, it is. It really is. There's no doubt. I mean. I'm the, the coolest part about all of this, I think, is what it has done for the city, you know, there's to have a pride in, pride in the city of Cincinnati because th there's the ancillary conversations that come out of it or beyond football. It's right. And it's like you're you feel like you're defending. There's points where you're defending the actual city. You're defending yeah. the skyline. You're defending like there's all these things that come with it. And there's this pride with which everybody talks about the city right now because they're given currently a platform to do it because you're at the centerpiece of pop culture conversation uh, in the country right now because you have this. America's team, you know, everybody wants you to uh, knock off Patrick Mahomes and his family and and, and shut them up <laughs> and 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 sees this young fun team and, and is embracing it and 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 that's the craziest part about this too. But anyway, I, I wanted to broach that with you because I I know you have lived in the conversation surrounding this team forever. And and if you're like, I've felt the same way lately where it's just, it's hard to even know where to start with some of this stuff because it still does feel surreal that we're sitting here. I'm, I try to treat each week like, okay, just treating it like this is the week 16 game. And it's just so hard to do because your mind is blown over the fact that we're doing this in week 20, 
I guess. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's 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 great. We 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 talked before this season. The big talking point was like, how many wins does Zach Taylor need to keep his job? Can he hit that over? <laughs> you know, like that. Yeah. That was that was like what it what the expectation was. I've I've never seen something so blown out of the water. But I guess hey, what's new? Joe Burrow just <laughs> continues to to do. Do we were talking we were talking on the air about like just just think of of all the people that Joe Burrow is making wealthy <laughs> again <laughs> again from <laughs> coaches uh, to players that he's playing with <clears throat> to area businesses like Ugh. somebody smarter than me needs to do a story on the economic impact of Joe Burrow yeah um I so our guy in LSU, Brody Miller, did this after LSU when mm-hmm. all the coaches got promotions and everybody got drafted. Yeah, because we we had talked about that, and he was like, "That's a good idea. Let's I'm gonna go." And he did, and I think he had it something around like seventy million dollars in economic impact for people that were close to him. Whether it was just, I mean, like, Ed O got a promotion, and like, I mean, every every single person connected to Burrow, and that doesn't. I think that might have counted his own money, but that was only part of it. We. We had uh, we've had some pretty long breaks on radio shows in recent weeks, so we've got some account executives yeah. whose kids will owe their Christmas to Joe Burrow. So, <laughs> so, but I, you know, no it's, it really is true. He's he's sort of just had this huge impact on so many people that is going to be felt for a long time. Really he cost is. me money, All right, Mo. You you should. I hope you enjoy the week this week and. Um, I guess we'll talk to you next Tuesday, potentially about the Bengals <laughs> in the Super Bowl. Bengals in the Super Bowl. <laughs> All right, Mo, have a good one. <laughs> See you guys. Yeah, I, I don't know what you guys are talking about, Joe Burrow making everyone money because he cost me money. Uh, <laughs> never in my wildest dreams would I have imagined that my wife would have paid $475 for a football ticket. But when she found out some friends were going to the game and she said, yeah, Nashville's fun. I'll do that. Not only will I pay for 75 for a ticket, I'm going to call Braden and see if he wants to go $950 for two tickets. Plus all the food and drink in Nashville. It, it, it blew my mind that she was willing to do that. And it was, it was great. My, my son, my wife said that my son hugged her so many times this weekend and just thanked her for for bringing him on this trip and buying his ticket. And, you know, I talked on the live room about how he was literally bawling after McPherson made the, made the kick. She has video of it. It's just, it was, it was one of those really special uh, family weekends. And um, even though it, Joe Burrow cost us a lot of money, I, I still thank him for that because it was, it was <laughs> a very memorable weekend for our family. You know, and, and for many families, and, and there's been a number of memorable weekends and memorable Sundays and Saturdays for people here in, in recent weeks. Uh, I'll, I'll refresh my old phrase. This, this franchise desperately needed to give their fran- give their fans a moment and to connect everybody. You know what we, Jay, we love to talk about survivor. Mm-hmm. You know, when they do the merge and they have the merge feast. Yeah. And these guys, it's, it's, they, people have been starving. They haven't hardly eaten in like three weeks, two, three weeks, except for peanut butter and rice and, and maybe like <laughs> one thing here and there. And then if they make the merge, they have a feast where they all, there's just food as far as the eye can see. This is the equivalent for Bengals fans of the Survivor Merge Feast. 
It's just moments after moments, and and they've been they're just so hungry, and they just keep taking them all in, and they're crying while they're eating hamburgers. Like it is just, it's an absolute survivor merge feast right now for Bengals fans. Just just living it up, living it up. Um, Jay, you've got some sad stats, not to bring people down here, but you, you ha- and you have some stats, and and these these may these may kind of be sad. They are. They're it's. They're, they're sad stats, but it's more not sad for the Bengals. It's just it's they're sad projections, maybe more than sad stats. I, I was curious, you know, with Burrow playing in his first AFC championship game, it feels like there's been this this succession, you know, where you know it was Manning and Ben and Brady, and then Mahomes comes in, and so I was just curious who who was the last player to win an AFC championship game in his first start. And you have to go all the way back to 2001 and when Tom Brady did it, when he replaced Drew Bledsoe and they went on that magical run in the interim from 2001 to 2020, there have been 10 quarterbacks make their first start in an AFC championship game and go. Oh, and 10. Mm. Mahomes knocked off Josh Allen last year. He knocked off Ryan Tannehill in 2019. Mahomes' first AFC Championship game, he lost to Brady. Andrew Luck's first one, he lost to Brady. Mark Sanchez's first one, he lost to Peyton Manning. Flacco's first one, he lost to Ben. Philip Rivers' first one, he lost to Brady. There's a theme here with Brady. Jake Plummer, his first one, he lost to Ben. Ben's first one, he lost to Brady. And Peyton Manning's first one, he lost to Brady. It's just you are asking a lot, no matter how good Joe Burrow is, to go into this environment and and play in your very first AFC championship game. Um, I mean, if he can pull it off, he, he another another momentous milestone where he is on par with Tom Brady. I mean, would that surprise you? It wouldn't, but <laughs> at this point, I mean, at this point, never like, bet there against is no. There is is no set of history. I mean, honestly, we've heard a lot of people. This is like a popular thing to do to call Burrow the next Brady. It, it's beginning to line up a lot. <laughs> it really is like it's it's just there's just a lot of things that really are lining up uh when when you talk about what he has been on and off the field and 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 everything about that this is not saying that the expectation is that Joe Burrow be career becomes Tom Brady's career that I mean that's absurd but uh you certainly shouldn't discount uh, his ability to do things that only Brady has done at this point when you consider everything that we've seen, not just here, but at LSU, obviously. Yeah. Never bet against that guy. We've said it over and over yep. again. Never bet against never bet against Joe Burrow. Uh so you do have stats. Uh our guy Mike Sando always has all the great stats. In fact, he he's kind of like 
he's like the Dalai Lama of stats. Like even <laughs> even the top stats people, like Jay's got stats. We go to Mike for like advanced knowledge. Uh, I mean, he's this is this is this is as high up as it goes for understanding uh, that world. And he's so good at it. And so many stories that I've written this year, um, he's helped with and and through through helping us guide us through whether it's true media or the other things that we have to really un unfurl the real story, a tangible evidence of the true stories that are happening. Um, and so he's, he's a great person to talk about right now. He's obviously been covering the league nationally forever and, and, uh, a great person to talk about, um, the Bengals, this game, what we're seeing, uh, through a number of different lenses. So let's, let's bring in our NFL columnist, Mike Sando. All right. Now, welcome in for the, for the first time on to hear that podcast, Growlin, our good friend, NFL columnist, uh, Mike Sando. You may know his voice. We've uh, directed you to the Football GM podcast before and Randy Mueller. Of course, he has the pick six column that you have to be reading every single week. Mike, what's going on? You know, not too much. Just coming off of what I think was the greatest weekend. Of course, it was for any Bengal fan. It's the greatest weekend in a long time, at least maybe <laughs> since the Super Bowl days, which I am old enough to remember, by the way. I do yes. remember watching the Bengals in the Super Bowl. I know they've been great before, so uh, at least I've got that going for me. You as a history guy can appreciate Bengals Niners still in play yeah. to go in part three on that one. Oh. But, you know, I actually hadn't thought of it that way because I've kind of punched the Rams in there uh, a little bit. Nah, we'll see what the 49ers can do. Um, I mean, the, the, the what was put to me was, yes, it would be Bengals-Niners again, but except this time, the Bengals would have Joe Montana and Jerry Rice in this scenario. Oh, they sure would. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? You know, just to screw this up for everybody, though, what if the 49ers won the Super Bowl with Garoppolo and they just drafted this guy? This is These are the types of things that are just, you know, it just shows in the, in the NFL, you you think you know what's going to happen or you plan for certain things and then stuff just surprises you, uh, which includes a lot of people were surprised that the Bengals would be here or be this good this fast. I mean, we all, everybody loved Joe Burrow, but he's coming off a mangled knee. And you guys couldn't produce a single good story in the preseason, by the way. There was no, I mean, Jamar Chase couldn't catch, you know, the <laughs> offense looked like crap. We, we didn't have a lot to go on this summer. So a lot of people just said, you know what? The Bengals will just suck and they'll have to prove us utter wrong during the year. We couldn't find a good story before the year. It all was doom and gloom. It was doom and gloom. And they, they were, you, Mike, you, you weren't at these practices. Okay. This was just oh. straight accurate reporting of what was happening. That's kind of the remarkable thing about how quickly they've been good. Oh. Spurrow, all of it is that it's this is the opposite of what it looked like for all of August. I pulled five people in the league before the season and we stacked uh, the, each conference one through 16. And I believe the Bengals were coming in at 13, 14. And it was, it was just sort of a default thing. It was 14. And it really was, it wasn't that people didn't like Joe Burrow or, or even Jamar Chase for the long term. You just, Needed to hear something good coming out of there. And you thought, well, with this knee, I mean, he maybe he's not going to be ready or not going to be as good. So shows who anybody knows. And it, it, it absolutely, it's, and it has taken time. I mean, over the course of the season, you know, we, I wrote a few, we do help me a lot with the, yeah. you know, your cook index on, on how they've kind of opened Burrow up a little bit more here, yeah. uh, down the stretch. And, and as the year has gone on, they've gone from, let's, we still don't know what the knee is. Okay. He's still getting his pocket presence, his mobility to then realizing after that San Francisco game, okay, he's got the mobility and the pocket presence that we thought he would have. It took that long to really totally get back. And now you've seen, 
I mean, the level he played at all year, but certainly over this last stretch has been tier one type stuff, which I wanted to ask you, yeah. you know, when you talk to people around the league, is this a consensus that next year, Burrow, tier one, no doubt? Uh, I, well, I think that that has been evolving that way. To, I, I think before the playoffs, he was going to get enough votes to at least be at the top of Tier 2. And that kind of, like, I'll give you an example. A year ago, Josh Allen was at the top of Tier 2. People kind of want to see it again. The difference with Burrow is that people loved him more coming out. He he really, people, and even after his rookie season, he made, so I don't do the tiers before their rookie year because, I mean, half the league hasn't even studied these guys. If you're not going to draft Joe Burrow number one, you've, watch TV and you know you don't you don't have you haven't played him you haven't felt him but after his rookie year and what was his record as a starter 3 and 11 or it wasn't a great record they but people could feel him he came into tier 2 already which is almost unheard of um there might have been i can't remember if after his rookie year maybe Baker Mayfield got close people were optimistic but it was a totally different feel i mean people who played Joe Burrow in his rookie year were like my defensive linemen were coming back to me and telling me this guy's real. So there was a lot of momentum for him uh, on the long term. Now, um, I think I think he's going to be tier one now uh, because getting the championship game, doing this, doing it with that organization, right? We all know 31 years, that whole thing. I mean, it, it's hard. I know they've played better than anticipated by a lot of people defensively too, and that's a that's part of the story. But come on. Um, Burrow <laughs> Chase getting a lot of the credit. Pro- I don't know that it's outsized. Do you? Because that, that's all anyone talks about. But it's almost that's what it is, right? Yeah. I mean, it all, every single thing that has developed, whether uh, even defensively it, it, or chemistry amongst the team and, and the culture change, it, it's, all, it's all because of him. I mean, yeah. it, it's all, it, everything starts. And now you can talk about the job Duke has done in building yeah. this roster, which is phenomenal, particularly defensively and the success they had in free agency. But everything else is directly connected to not, number nine. It's hilarious because I strive to not just do the same thing that everyone does. And, and you look for, like I do the pick six column and some of that, like I'm, I'll be researching some of that during the week. I just, hey, what's interesting? And I, this past week I was like, I want to do something on the Bengals. The Titans have kind of confounded me too. They're sort of a team that that's hard to get the exact, get something really interesting beyond what, what everyone's already talking about. Like with Tennessee, you can't figure out how they win. You're like, what? What? They have a good defense. <laughs> the quarterback's okay. With the Bengals, are the opposite, but but they confound you in that way too. Where you're like, I want to do something besides Burrow and Chase on this team. Um, and in the end, in the pick six column, I said, you know, I'm going to do Burrow and Chase. This is what it is. <laughs> and I looked up the greatest combinations of first two in your first two years, and it was really like, you know, they've outdone Aikman and. <laughs> Emmett Smith because they are they won faster. They're there with Peyton Manning and Edron James, and they've outdone them because they're in the championship game. So that's what it is, and I'm um, sticking to it. And they are phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, from a from a from a league view, though, I mean, what what has surprised people the most about this this team? Is it just the is it just Burrow's emergence and how fast it's happened? Like you said, I mean, people were on it. There was momentum. People were really feeling him last year. Is there anything else that that yeah. sticks out to, oh, to you when defense. people talk to you? It's a defense and the defense seeing, seeming well coached. I remember I did a thing during the year after 
they beat, uh, I think they beat Baltimore in the first game. And then, of course, after that, they had to have some terrible loss. I forget who they lost to, but it was like. Jets and the Browns back to back. You know, I, I led the pick six with the Bengals. And I'm like, okay, you know, they're probably going to lose the next game. But they, it turned out they weren't fraudulent, at least. They, did, they just <laughs> lost a game. But the defense, I think, for sure. Because I don't think that, uh, I, I look, when, when Lou Anaruma was hired, I think people, uh, I think the general public reaction was oh they probably settled for somebody this guy wasn't the hot candidate right uh and then yet you look how they play and how they put it together and you're impressed by it and you yeah. think they're well coached and they had like the the baltimore game they had a really good plan for lamar jackson their discipline and their rushes uh so i would say th- I, I think that's clearly uh, a surprise to a lot of people. And then, like you said, they've put together pieces on the defensive side, um, you know, in free agency, probably to a degree that wasn't always what they did. And even the BJ Hill trade, right? right. It's not the all time greatest trade, but they traded for a guy going into last year of his deal. It, it fit. They had a good, nice little rotation there. I think those are things that, that were a little bit of a surprise or an unknown where they've proven to be better than people thought. BJ BJ Hill and then a number of guys they've picked up just off the street this year have made major contributions. I mean Trey Flowers somehow has come here and been a positive uh, contributor. They they snagged Vernon Hargraves who had experiences yeah. coming and giving them some some important snaps. I mean they had a guy named Clay Johnston tackle Derrick Henry in that two point conversion in his first snap of the game. I mean, it seems like they've had a lot of success and, and I think. You know, one thing that and you can talk of this, but you know, watching the, the way the Bengals have operated. I mean, Duke Tobin has always kind of felt like he thrives in that in that area because he's had to. I mean, they've yeah. never been players. But he, I, I think the view is that he, he's always been pretty good at finding a lot of those gems. It's the only way they've been managed to stay relevant during the time that he's been running things here. And they've been they've had competitive teams. They've put yeah. together good teams. It's not like the record was – I mean, shoot, Marvin Lewis was above 500, wasn't he? I mean mm. – for for his career, pretty much so, right yeah. at five hundred, as you would right expect. right at five hundred, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, they were they did about as good as as well as they could have done. So yeah, I think I think Tobin's well regarded, and it's always been seen though in the context, like you said, of having limited resources and having the coaches way more involved in the scouting. And even now, if you looked at the number of people in personnel departments, I don't think the Bengals are going to you know be at the top of the league or anything like that. Um, but I think you've seen some different types of activity. Uh, with, with the free agency that bombed the first year they tried it, right? Everybody got hurt, right? A couple years ago, they, right. they yeah. brought in a bunch of guys and it, and it could have worked, but didn't. And then, uh, like you said, they've been active. And I think those types of guys, when you're making the Trey Flowers type moves or those types of guys, for all we know, they did that and it, and did it just as effectively in the past. But your team looks different when you don't have the quarterback squared away. Yep. Right. That light changes. It allows you to like all of those little 1% gains don't mean anything when you've got a 25 pound weight pulling you down to the bottom of the ocean. Right. <laughs> if you have a 25 pound weight pulling to the bottom of the ocean, it doesn't matter if you have a thousand dollar wetsuit and the best goggles. Right. But when you've got, instead of that, you're, you're sitting on a yacht, which is the burrow yacht, the SS burrow. Now, if we've got the best, uh, you know, sonar and we've got the best, uh, you know, wood being used inside uh, the the yacht and we're sitting on nice big captain's chairs, all that stuff matters now, right? You sound like a yacht guy. Have you have yacht experience? 
Here's my yacht experience. I know one guy who has a yacht. I've been out on it two or three times. I always tease him because it's like, you know, the most blue-blooded thing ever. I'm like, oh, hey, you know, Thurston Howell here, if you're old enough to remember Gilgan's Island or, you know, the rich guy. So I have been on a yacht. My I've been on a yacht three times, uh, and it made quite wow. an impression on me. Yeah. I was going to say, you know, the, the thing is that Fwab's friends with a boat is, oh, you don't want to own the boat. You just want to have a friend yeah. with a boat. You're, you've got Fway's friends with a yacht. I, I mean, have a friend is... who has a yacht. It's through, a, it's through my kids, someone on my, one of my kids' teams. Um, yeah, he, he, he has it. And they, they, it, it's amazing to be on it. It was really good. It was really well, good. I've got a 16 foot Alumacraft fishing boat that was built in 1980. Um, with a 25 horse Evinrude from 1980, that's in my garage. So just yeah. to let you know, uh, <laughs> where I'm it coming still from. come out of your garage though, at this point, the problem with that, but, oh yeah, I've had it out. The problem with the motor, and it's a little bit of a nostalgic thing. Cause it was my dad's, you know, my dad died when I was in high school a long time ago. So having his boat's a big deal, but yeah, here's the problem with it. Uh, you get out there and you go out and you go out th- five miles away and you're humming. I, as a kid, I water skied behind this thing. Okay, mm-hmm. it, it, it's hilarious to look at a, an aluminum boat with a. We were that. We were those people, right? So, uh, but the problem is, well, after it's heated up, then it doesn't restart reliably. So I've had to be. I've had to row back in or use the trolling motor to get back in. It's a humbling thing when you see the guy go by in the yacht, you know, and you're sitting there <laughs> burning out your your back and pecs trying to to get back in, and then somebody pull, tows you in. So, you know, I've lived on both extremes of the of the yachting world. Uh, be, beyond yachts and boats, and before I get you out yeah. of here, uh, Chiefs Bengals, I mean, you've uh-huh. obviously – Done a ton on the Chiefs. This is our fourth straight home AFC title game, which is just remarkable. I mean, you're just they're reaching such a, a stratosphere at this point. What's your view of this game, and 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 what kind of has made the Chiefs? You know, is it, it's just they just have something special, particularly when they're when they've got it going at Arrowhead. I actually thought I actually went with Buffalo in the points in the last game uh, because of the way. Josh Allen was playing, but my biggest concern for Buffalo was uh, the pass rush because when Buffalo played at home against New England, it was target practice. Those guys weren't getting to him. And I felt like it was a Josh Allen combine day, pro day, you know, and everything looked scripted and he was going back on time and just making a dazzling array of throws. I feel like Joe Burrow can do that but I'm worried about being able to do it as consistently enough to keep up with Mahomes in that environment. And I think we've been able to see a Josh Allen, you know, just take off and run and be a, be, have the running game component and really burn it at both ends that way. And so my concern for Cincinnati in this game, I know they were able to win the game in Cincinnati, not that long ago, probably within the last month, week 17, uh, week 17, um, I'm just a little bit concerned with, obviously the sacks have been an issue anyway, but I'm just a little bit concerned with that element. And as great as Joe Burrow is and he moves well enough, can there be enough extended plays when that pressure comes in that environment to keep pace with Mahomes, who you know probably is going to be able to get his 30 points, right? He's probably going to be able to. So I'm a little bit concerned from that standpoint. Um, like I probably would pick Kansas City um, to win the game, whereas if it was on a neutral field, I might feel it's more even. Yeah, Arrowhead is a, is such an equalizer 
uh, where teams just continuously struggle going in there to 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 adjust, you know, to a to a yeah. just a unique environment in the NFL. Yeah, and that's relevant because they're so good, right? The, yeah. That's that's another thing. That's the wood paneling on the yacht, right? The home field <laughs> advantage doesn't do you any good if you're crap, but they're so good and. It is a big deal. So I can't wait to see it. I think it's a little bit of a house money situation for um, Cincinnati, just perception-wise. But you also always think you're going to have five more of these chances. Like people are on Buffalo. Hey, great job, Buffalo. No, no, no. You may have just blown one of four chances to win the Super Bowl. Your four best, One of your four best chances to win the Super Bowl that you'll ever have with Josh Allen. Because the team's going to change. And you don't know what's going to happen, Cincinnati, because the next borough could be drafted by another team in the division or whatever, right? Or now you're going to have Justin Herbert and you have Mahomes there. So the Chiefs may be 10% better next year. So you know what? You got to take advantage of this chance. This is a great chance to go in there because the Chiefs are, are good, but they're not absolutely amazing defensively, right? They, they've had some flaws this year. So go take advantage of this thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that's just it. You, I mean, you know, you can go back to any team and any young team that has made a run, or even to the Super Bowl, and and maybe even lost. And it's, oh yeah, well, yeah, you know they'll they'll be back, of course, and they never get back. And they Russell never Wilson back. in Seattle. I live in the Seattle area. They made it back that one year, but they haven't even factored in the playoffs. They haven't even been to the championship game, and they've had Russell Wilson, who's been a really yeah. good player, and they've had Pete Carroll, who's a good coach. They've had good teams. They've won 10, 12 games every year until this year. And they don't get there. So it, it takes so it, much yeah. luck, right? I mean, there's so much luck in, in, involved and in things going the right way and in finding a way to make a play but here or there. I will say this. I think Burrow's different. Yeah. I think he's not a guy who – I don't. I think he would be laughing at us. <laughs> He'd be saying, it's not luck. We got this. Yeah. You know what, you know what we've got? And we've got on our hands on Sunday. We got a good old-fashioned yacht off is what we got. Just yeah, we got a yachts. yacht off. Rolled you got a yacht off. Hey, even your kicker's cocky now because of Burrow, right? The whole thing. I want to see you be cocky. I want to yeah. see everybody kind of be a jerk in Cincinnati now. Like, I'm not saying Burrow's being a jerk, but he's he's enabling. I got this. Yeah, from everybody, the, the, even the kicker. I, what do you think? How do you think I file stories? I mean, my editors <laughs> are sick of it. Just like here comes here comes another hundred subs. Another hundred subs. I want you to get those burrow glasses, those purple glasses. I call them like they were off the boogie night set. I want you to have something like that because they they were really they were really next levelish. You know, kind of cocky. I will not go. I will not go to the glasses, Mike. I got to draw the line somewhere. I I think it would be funny if you could just put them on once. You know, put on a picture if they win the game. We don't need to give those people any more business. Every single Bengals fan is walking around town in these glasses now. They're great. I I think you wear them if they win. If they go to the Super Bowl, you got to get them. You you make a deal. You'll if you'll get a pair. No, no, he won't do it. You, You wear them. I, I'm not representative of Cincinnati, though. I would just look like an idiot more I, than normal. I, 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 well, yeah. maybe. I would look. I don't want to yeah. look like an idiot, too. Okay. So we'll, All righty. Well, we'll hey, enjoy on. it, because I know you I, – I know as people who cover teams, you don't, you're not invested the way that a fan is, and you're not rooting, but it makes a, it's so much more fun to be covering this game than looking at the draft and wondering how they're going to try to even be 500. So. Yeah, as much as I love going to Mobile – um, I'm I'm happy that I haven't been like deep in plotting for what oh. I'm gonna do down in uh, down in Mobile. It's great. Just enjoy, uh, yeah, enjoy it. We'll do. 
Mike, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it, brother. We'll uh, we'll talk to you down the line. Okay, thank you. All right, much thanks to uh, Mike for joining us, and uh, great great to hear from him. Uh, who, if you're not reading Pick Six every week, you are missing, and everything else he does, it's outstanding. He uncovers so many trends and insights, and of course, all the work he does inside with executives and and whether it's with tiers, QB tiers, which we know which tier Jay Burrow will be in next year, uh, or all you know the follow-ups on all that every week. There's something insight talking to, to league execs. Uh, Mike just does an incredible job. So great having him on the show. Um, all right, let's recap from last week. Growler bet. Jay, we did longest drive of the game. We thought well, there might be some long drives. What was the longest drive of the game? The, we thought the long ones would be the Titans. It was actually the Bengals that had the longest drive of the game at 526. And that was the touchdown drive to start the third quarter that ended up in the, the one real time they got the running game going. They ended up having a long drive. It ended up being the longest of the game, 526. Uh, Jay, we had no winners. I don't even have it so close. Nobody was really that close. Everybody probably went longer than 526 because yes. I don't I don't know anybody went less than that. Uh, I think a lot of people expected a 7-8 minute drive somewhere in that game. Yes, I had I had only only guesses over 6 7 a most 6 7 8 uh some somewhere in that area. You and I I believe you won that one. I had a I had a long I was picking a long drive as well. Yeah, I didn't I forgot to write down our numbers, but I know I was less than you. So you were. I had I definitely yeah. went with a big number. Uh we had three run passer boots entering last <laughs> week. Let's recap how run passer boot played out. The the first one was more of an opinion. It was what what is most likely to lead to a Bengals win with with the Bengals down two and McPherson lining up for a 54-yard field goal, the Bengals up two and Randy Bullock lining up for a 44-yard field goal, or the Bengals down four, 30 seconds to go, no timeouts, Burrow has first and goal at the nine. So that, that one was more opinion. Um, we both went same way, McPherson, Burrow, Bullock. So I don't know if you could really kind of grade that one. Um, the, other, the, the other reader submitted one was what will be greater – Derrick Henry rushing yards, Joe Burrow passer rating, or Evan McPherson's longest field goal plus Randy Bullock missed field goal yardage. Um, Bullock didn't miss a field goal. So that that one came in at 54. Uh, Burrow was 93.1, and Henry was 62. So uh, you ran with Henry. I ran with Burrow. I came out on top on that one. And then the other one we had that we had, it was uh, that what – what would be higher than their season average? Derrick Henry's rushing yards, Joe Mixon's rushing yards, or Joe Burrow's passer yards? And uh, Burrow topped his average by 80 yards. Mixon came in 21 yards under his average, and Derrick Henry came in 52 yards under his average. And we both ran with Burrow, and he won. That goes a long way to tell the story of the game, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, you you – Burrow throws it well over his average, and they contain Derrick Henry to 50 below. Um, 
there's there's your difference in the game. Well, we'll have much more to get into. If you've got run, pass, or boot ideas that you'd like us to try to trot out for the AFC title game, send them to us, of course. If you have growler bed ideas that you'd like to see us use for the AFC title game, you can, of course, send them to us. You can do it on on Twitter. Uh, you can do hashtag Bengals growler bed if you want to send stuff or just at me or Jay or just pdaner at theathletic.com. And we will do our best to see if we can pick the best one or two to try trot out for Thursday's show. Again, we'll be talking to Nate Taylor in Kansas City, but everything going on with the Chiefs, much, much more. So much to talk about when we start breaking down the X's and O's of this game. We'll have more interviews from the locker room, which was going to be a massive week. The Nationals have invaded, Jay. We're going to finally have a moderator. We're going to have all all the national people are allowed in the room. Uh, they're going to usually they change. I always know it's a big game. They change the backdrop to an AFC title game backdrop. Yeah. Like I always would notice that every year. Like oh, all of a sudden the interview is showing on NFL Network has a, a weird red backdrop behind Bill Belichick that just has the. AFC Championship game logo with the sponsor, of course. So the NFL is fully invading. We're a fully NFL operation going on this week, and that means extra press conferences, extra people in there. It's going to be we're we're just we're just going to be the local peons at this point, man. We're just we're just going to be brushed aside. So be it. That's what happens. The Bengals are the story. The Nationals have invaded, and so we'll still be here, though, with all the insight. Because guess what? The Nationals may be in on those press conferences, but they're not in the text conversations. They're not in our mm. in our in our phone calls and all that stuff. So if you want the true insight, this is a, a really a good time to remember to lean on all your locals, not just us, uh, for for real information. Because there's going to be a lot of people eavesdropping dropping in right now uh, that that are just finding out um, who. Jonah Williams is right. I mean, mm-hmm. or 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 who's who is this Logan Wilson guy that had this interception? I mean, there's you're going to hear a lot of that over over the course of this week. So, for those who want insight, you know where to come. You don't need to. You're sitting here in the an hour plus into a Tuesday HTPG. You know where to come. This is our people right here. You know who am I talking to? I'm out here preaching to the choir. <laughs> So, uh, uh, all right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, We will talk to you on Thursday as we preview the Bengals and Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. All right. We'll talk to you Thursday. Have a good one.